I don't know how it is with you, but during February, my wife generally says to me, Have you thought at all about what we are going to do for August? And of course, I say, No. And then she begins looking through the advertisements of bungalows to let. Well, this happened last year as usual, and she eventually produced one that looked possible. It said, Norfolk, Hickling Broad, Furnished Bungalow, Garden, Garage, Boathouse, and all the rest of it. Oh, and Plate and Linen. It also mentioned an exorbitant rent. I pointed out the bit about the rent, but my wife said, Yes, you'll have to go down and see the landlord and get him to come down. They always do. As a matter of fact, they always don't, but that's a detail. Anyway, I wrote off to the landlord and asked if he could arrange for me to stay the night in the place to see what it was really like. He wrote back and said, certainly, and that he was engaging Mrs. So-and-so to come in and oblige me and make up the beds and so forth. I tell you, we do things thoroughly in our family. I have to sleep in all the beds, and when I come home, my wife counts the bruises and decides whether they will do or not. At any rate, I arrived in a blinding snowstorm at about the most desolate spot on God's earth. I'd come to Potter Hyam by train and been driven on. It was a good five miles from the station. Fortunately, Mrs. Selston, the old lady who was going to do for me, was there, and she'd lighted a fire and cooked me a steak, for which I was truly thankful. I somehow think the cow, or whatever they get steaks off, had only died that morning. It was very uh, obstinate. While I dined, she talked to me. She would tell me all about an operation her husband had just had. All about it. It was almost a lecture on surgery. The steak was rather underdone, and it sort of made me feel I was illustrating her lecture. Anyway, she put me clean off my dinner and then departed for the night. I explored the bungalow and just had a look outside. It was, of course, very dark, but not snowing quite so hard. The garage stood about fifteen yards from the back door. I walked round it, but I didn't go in. I also went down to the edge of the broad and verified the boathouse. The whole place looked as though it might be all right in the summertime, but just then it made one wonder why people ever wanted to go to the North Pole. Anyhow, I went indoors and settled down by the fire. You've no idea how quiet it was. Even the waterfowl had taken the night off. At least they weren't working. At a few minutes to eleven, I heard the first noise there'd been since Mrs. What's-her-name, Selston, had cleared out. It was the sound of a car. If it had gone straight by, I probably shouldn't have noticed it at all. Only it didn't go straight by. It seemed to stop farther up the road before it got to the house. Even that didn't make much impression. After all, cars do stop. It must have been five or ten minutes before it was borne in on me that it hadn't gone on again. So I got up and looked out of the window. It had left off snowing, and there was a glare through the gate that showed that there were headlamps somewhere just out of sight. I thought I might as well stroll out and investigate. I found a fair-sized limousine pulled up in the middle of the road about twenty yards short of my gate. The light was rather blinding, but when I got close to it, I found a girl with the bonnet open, tinkering with the engine. Quite an attractive young female from what one could see, 
but she was so muffled up in furs that it was rather hard to tell. I said, Uh, good evening. Anything I can do? She said she didn't know what was the matter. The engine had just stopped and wouldn't start again. And it had. It wouldn't even turn either with the self-starter or the handle. The whole thing was awfully hot, and I asked her whether there was any water in the radiator. She didn't see why there shouldn't be. There always had been. This didn't strike me as entirely conclusive. I said we'd better put some in and see what happened. She said, why not use snow? But I thought not. There was an idea at the back of my mind that there was some reason why it was unwise to use melted snow, and it wasn't until I arrived back with a bucketful that I remembered what it was. Of course, Goitre. When I got back to her, she got the radiator cap off and inserted what a Danish...